Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week Health. You feel there that their whole approach of a medical record is different. You go to a clinic, your doctor, they have your, your medical record papers, but the main up-to-date record is always with the patient. Welcome to Town Hall, a show hosted by leaders on the front lines with interviews of people making things happen in healthcare with technology. My name is Bill Russell, the creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. We want to thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent, for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show. Hey, everybody. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare based out of Memphis. And today, I'm very excited to be with Dr. Anwar Gibran. Dr. Gibran, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Anwar Gibran, originally from Damascus, Syria, finished my med school there, did my internal medicine residency in Chicago, worked for a year in Michigan as an internist, and then now I'm a second year a clinical informatics fellow at the University of Illinois in Chicago. At the same time, I'm part of ASIF with the AMIA Clinical Informatics Fellows Executive Board, and I'm part of the American College of Physicians as well. That's wonderful. And we have a couple of really interesting topics we want to go through today. One, we want to talk about hospital at home. And then I want to talk about your experience with international informatics and what you do. Yes. So let's start off with hospital at home. I know my group, my hospital, we developed our program a couple of years back in the midst of the pandemic, but we never really got it off the ground. I think we enrolled one patient and the limiting factor for us was finding nurses that could actually staff the program. Tell me about your experience and what you've been doing. As we all know, it's the trendy topic of the day. It started with the Medicare waiver in November 2020, and a lot of hospitals signed up. A lot of them rolled some patients. For us at UIC, we're still in the works. We're planning to go live, hopefully end of this year, early next year. We, you know... Putting the pieces together has been challenging because you need to get the buy-in for multiple service lines. You need, as you mentioned, get the nurses. And with all the shortage that we have, it's a tough task to have. And then get, whether doing this in-house of the technology that you need to incorporate, the telemedicine that you need to add, or get a vendor and incorporate that. So we're in the midst of all these decisions. The most likely decision we're looking to doing most of the stuff in-house to be able to have control on it and hopefully be able to roll the program soon. Yeah, no, let's talk through a few of those decisions that you need to make. Yes. So we had a similar thought process. We evaluated some external vendors and we did end up using a third-party vendor for our remote patient monitoring piece, yes. we're on Epic. So we used Epic for like our patient list and how to keep track of it. And that was actually the same workflow that our hospitalists that would round on these patients would use for their inpatients. But we did end up going with a third-party vendor for 
kind of that telehealth piece and for the remote yeah. patient monitoring. And that was largely based on because the staff that we were using to actually assess the patients in the home were part of our home health team and they were on a different platform already for that. So that's why we went that direction. Talk to us about your thought process and how y'all are going about making those decisions. Regarding the remote patient monitoring, uh, to us, it's, we want to do it like a step-by-step -step in terms of let's first perfect the workflow. Let's first make sure we have a robust system. And then the remote continuous monitoring, it's going to come down the line. For now, we're using the technology that already exists in Epic, which is like the MyChart bedside solution in Epic, which... They really created well in terms of the use case for hospital at home, the rover, Epic rover, and in terms of nursing documentation. So we're trying to stay with one, try to use the possible solutions in one vendor, which is Epic in our case, because as you know, having third party, they'll there will be some bottlenecks in workflows and data integration and interoperability. And the fact that you need to scan stuff or move stuff with some validation errors in the horizon, that's a challenging process for us. But for now, we're planning to use all the tools available in the Epic shop. And then down the line, if we need to build on that, the third party or something in-house, we're going to take it from there. If you have yet to hear, we are doing webinars differently. We got your feedback. You wanted us to focus on community-generated topics, topics that were relevant to you in your role. We have gone out and gotten the best contributors that we possibly can. They are not product-focused. They are only available live, and we try to have them at a consistent time the first Thursday of every month, with some exceptions, and the next <laughs> March happens to be that exception. March 2nd, I'm on vacation. So March 9th is going to be our next webinar, March 9th at one o'clock Eastern time. And we're gonna do a leadership series on the changing nature of work. We're gonna talk about a couple of things. One is the remote distribution of health IT staff and what we have to do from a management standpoint in that regard. We're also gonna talk about the lack of staff specifically in the clinical areas and technicians and whatnot, and what the role health care and technology in particular is gonna play with regard to that, love to have you sign up. Our first two webinars we've done this year have been fantastic. Over 200 people signing up for each one of them. And we expect just as many for this one. This is a great conversation and great panelists. We have Trisha Julian, Baptist Health System out of Kentucky, Will Weeder, Peace Health, and Andy Crowder with Atrium Health are going to join us for this discussion. And I've talked to each of them about this topic and I love their insights and look forward to sharing them with you. If you wanna sign up, hit our website, top right-hand corner. We always have the next webinar listed. Just go ahead and sign up, put your question in there and we'll incorporate it into the discussion. Look forward to seeing you then. That makes sense. Talk to me about how y'all are gonna go about patient selection. Yes. Is this gonna be patients that are coming in through the ER that you decide to admit through there? Or are these gonna be patients that were already inpatient that maybe you can send them home early with hospital at home? How are you walking through yeah, that? Yeah, that's also a really interesting point. So a lot of them, they call it like the completion at home where you start your admission in the hospital and then you complete it at home. We're gonna start slow as all program. And we want to start it as safe as we can in our pilot. So we want to do completion at home as a start. So okay. we want to pick the patients that we did most of the major 
workup for them, like the imaging, the main samples collection, they're mostly stable. They just need a few more days of antibiotics, IV, for example, or they need a few more days of IV Lasix for CHF exacerbation. They need a few more days IV steroids for asthma exacerbation and so on and so forth. We, we picked five to six diagnoses that are relatively common, like CHF, asthma, COPD, cellulitis, UTI, these sort of things that they're bad enough to be in the hospital, but not bad enough to require full hospital staff. So that selection, we're going to start with that. And then hopefully we can expand on it after the pilot. One of the opportunities that we dabbled in, but we were like, you know, there's a lot of regulations about it is the sickle cell population. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that because there are regulations to kind of deliver and ship opioids. So it's a state-by-state thing. I'm not sure if you had similar interactions at your system. No, I mean, that is a really good point. And we were not planning on doing narcotics at home, at least in the beginning for our pilot. We had a similar approach, though. We're going to try both the ED and hospitalist units, trying to get patients home sooner. I like that y'all are just going to start with the completion at home piece because our emergency departments are really bogged down right now. It would be tough to add another piece to them right now, even though it could help with some of those bottlenecks. I think Fixing the bottleneck on the inpatient side would probably be a better start, especially as you're starting out your program. But yeah, I mean, the narcotics at home, I think that was just one that there was, it was just so thorny that we wanted to get the program up and running first before we address that. Let's switch gears a little bit. Yes. You were telling me before we started recording about your work that you're doing in Morocco. With yes. You know, a lot of us probably don't have international experience with informatics and it's intriguing. What is the landscape like outside of the U.S.? Yeah, so I got exposed to the whole international col- collaboration and especially Morocco. My my beautiful wife is from Morocco and we went there last summer. We loved it. So she had connections with few academic institutions back there. She's originally from Casablanca and she was talking with those institutions about the informatics. I, I kept telling her about the informatics, the role of it, the future of informatics, artificial intelligence, all these exciting topics, and they were interested. So just to give you like paint a picture about North Africa in general, Middle East, and especially Morocco, they're in the phase of pre and during high tech as of the US. So basically, they're now in the midst of transformation to electronic medical records from paper. Big institutions, they're already taking that step. Smaller community hospital and clinic, they still do paper charts. In terms of policies overall, the government is trying to do some programs to incentivize, similar to high tech and the ARA Act, they wanted to incentivize healthcare institutions to move towards that, especially after COVID. It was a big catalyst in the Middle East region. So we went there. I, I presented the idea to my leadership at UIC. They were super excited for the collaboration. We created a NEMOU with the University of Mohammed Premier in Wujda, which is a city on the eastern region of Morocco. We created a partnership and collaboration. 
And we actually, with them, we hosted the first clinical informatics conference for medical students in whole North Africa. And the conference was a two or three days conference. We brought faculty in person and virtual from UIC. We presented a slew of concepts. You can look at it as like a clinical informatics 1.0 in terms of introduction to these concepts, a lot of which they're not too familiar with. It was really successful. We had a big turnout and now we're taking it to the next step in terms of collaboration with them. We're creating an exchange program with students and faculty. They just opened their innovation center. So we're doing collaboration as well. And they have an AI center that we're trying to leverage for public health informatics. Wow. So, you know, a lot going on there and I would like, you know, like to hear a little bit more. So are they currently all on paper and are y'all planning on helping them with that transformation as well? Yes. So in the case of University of Muhammad Premier there, they have some aspect of their workflow in the hospital already digitized. So they're doing some CPOE, they're doing pharmacy and pathology digitized, but in terms of medical documentations, in terms of nursing communication. So like I would rate them at pre-stage one or stage one HEMS in terms of inpatient. In the outpatient, to my knowledge, they're still paper-based. So they're trying to go through the HEMS stages and take it from there. But overall, most universities, they're still on that phase and trying to move more towards a connected system in the EHR. Yeah, no, that's great. It sounds similar to my experience when I was in Peru for residency. I did a month there. Oh, wow. Um, just a clinical rotation. And they had a couple of aspects that were on the computer, but most of it was still on paper, still plain film x-rays, at least in the hospital. But then if you go to some of the private clinics, they were already computerized, but the public hospitals were not. And I was wondering if you had any insight into other countries and where they are and what needs do they have from informatics training or even opportunities for informatics trained physicians or clinicians here to get involved internationally? That's a very good point in terms of training. We're actually presenting at the MedInfo this year in Australia about workforce development. Hmm. So the base of any initiative you need a workforce to take that initiative. And as we know, in any especially digital initiative, you need like a homegrown champion to take the initiative. So we're planning to do a lot of workshops with them. You can come as an outside firm or university and give them some advice, give them some recommendations. But if they don't have the workforce to follow through, the home expertise and the local expertise, that's an issue. So in the Middle East overall, from what I've noticed, the UAE, especially Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia, they're pretty advanced in terms of digital health. They have a lot of conferences going on, a lot of investments, money and activity there. Even Epic and Cerner, they're really active in that region. One of the big companies in the world, Saudi Aramco, which for oil, they have a really robust partnership with John Hopkins and they have multiple hospitals and interconnected system in Saudi Arabia for John Hopkins. UAE and uh, some Gulf state, they have Cleveland Clinic there, Cornell, NYU. That part of the Middle East is really robust. And uh, some of them, they reached him stage seven, uh, believe it or not, uh, which is 
7% in the US and some hospitals there, they reached it. So uh, you see multiple, it's not like a homogenous region. Uh, you see some countries, they're really advanced. Some countries, they're moving towards there. But as an overall trend, they're all moving towards that. And there may need workforce development, some awareness at the beginning, and then helping out in creating a roadmap to improve their implementation. No, that's great. The last thing I want to ask about yes. the topic is, you know, some would say our implementation or digitization and transformation in the U.S. did not go as smoothly as it could have. And there's still a lot of fallout from it. There's burnout as possibly increase due to this transformation and a lot of the workflows are, are clunkier than they need be. And meaningful use is still a four-letter word for a lot of physicians and hospital systems. How are other countries internationally learning the lessons from the U.S. and not repeating our mistakes? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Maybe a... you won't be able to answer that. But, <laughs> <somebody's thinking> about <laughs> but yeah, to me, I feel I've always I've had this discussion with them. You feel there that their whole approach of a medical record is different. So meaning you go to a clinic, your doctor, they have your, your medical record papers, but the main up-to-date record is always with the patient. So, you know, the whole dynamic is different. The patient, they have their papers, medical record, because there, if you are a patient and you're not following your case, nobody would right? So they have all their papers with them in a paper folder under their arm, and they're going from doctor to doctor to follow their stuff. So to them, I feel if we reorganize the medical record with patient-centric medical record versus institution-centric, I think that's the approach for a lot of countries, uh, like developing countries like this. Here in the U.S., institutions are, they have the power here that all your records are there and you need a lot of acts like 21st Century Cures Act to at least get access to your information. The ownership of information is really hazy in the U.S., like you don't know who owns what. So there they have an opportunity to rearrange their stuff from scratch and put everything patient-centric versus institution-centric in terms of medical record. That's what I noticed. Yeah, no, that, that's really good insight. Well, thank you again for jumping on and talking to us about these Absolutely. Two topics. Gosh, I really love this show. I love hearing what workers and leaders on the front lines are doing. And we want to thank our hosts who continue to support the community by developing this great content. If you want to support This Week Health, the best way to do that is to let someone else know about our channels. Let them know you're listening to it and you are getting value. We have two channels, This Week Health Conference and This Week Health Newsroom. You can check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find them on our website, thisweekhealth.com, and you can subscribe there as well. We also want to thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent, for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. <laughs>